0: Okay, well, good morning. The uh, our scripture reading today and, and our lesson comes from uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, beginning at verse 46 and going to verse 52. So it's Mark 10, verse 46 to 52, which is the end of the chapter. And they, and they came to Jericho... And immediately he recovered in his sight, his sight and followed him on the way. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. This is a very important gospel lesson. It contains uh, much information about the insight, and gives us insight into the ministry of Jesus, uh, his earthly ministry. and also provides uh, instruction uh, for, for believers, for his followers. Uh, I think it's very appropriate that uh, we look at this narrative uh, during this season, the Easter season, Lenten season, prior to Easter, and of course uh, this uh, miracle occurred directly before the very first Easter, before the first uh, resurrection celebration. So we we begin here with uh, the very first thing is they came to Jericho. Jericho, I think, is a very familiar city to many of us that read the Bible. This is not the Jericho of uh, Old Testament times where the walls came tumbling down. It had been uh, somewhat removed from that locale. It was, it's, now, it's now a city that's a bustling commercial center. It had been uh, greatly favored by the Herod kings. and uh, we, we hear about Jericho in other stories, you know, the... The short, dishonest uh, tax collector, Zacchaeus, he was from Jericho, the fellow that climbed the sycamore tree the uh, the man that fell among thieves and was uh, helped by the good Samaritan, he was on the Jericho road, so Jericho plays a prominent role in many of these New Testament stories. It was in essence about fifteen miles east of um, of Jerusalem and uh, It was a place where people stopped on their way. In this particular instance, we're talking about pilgrims, if you will, people that were going to Jerusalem to uh, celebrate the Passover feast. So it would be a stopping over place. Indeed, this is where Jesus and his disciples and the followers that he had at that time stopped. So uh, it was uh, here in Jericho that this great miracle took place right outside on the road. Stop there. It says, leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, in in most of our translations, it says, a blind beggar. In some of the later translations, uh, uh, I believe it's the Syriac translation, they say, the blind beggar as opposed to a blind beggar, sort of giving an indication that perhaps people of the early church, the early Christian community had some idea of who he was. Indeed, it's been suggested that this story was told orally uh, about the the healing of of Bartimaeus. It it occurred, of course, around 30, 33 AD. We know that because it was right before the crucifixion and the the Gospel of Mark wasn't written until uh, Mid fifties, uh, uh, late fifties AD. So we have a, a good time span here, of twenty to twenty-five years, from the time that the uh, miracle actually occurred to the time that uh, it was recorded by Mark. It's it's unique in the sense that uh, it's one of the few miracle, uh, miraculous healings where a person is actually given addressed by a name. Is given a name. You know, quite often we refer to more indirectly, like. Uh, Jairus' daughter, the servant of the centurion, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. But uh, in this particular uh, instance, the person is given a name, Bartimaeus. And it's an unusual name. It's not a name that uh, one would expect of a a Jewish person. Uh, Mark even feels compelled to, in essence, translate it for us. He he says, uh, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. (laughs) Let us know what it means. Breaking it down, bar means son of. It's an Aramaic word. Uh, in, in Hebrew, it's ben, not it means son of, not bar. So he's using the Aramaic here. Some of you may have heard of the story or seen the movie, Ben-her, is <laughs> the son of her. Uh, but this is uh, this is the son of Timaeus, bar, Timaeus, Timaeus. And Timaeus, I know if you look in Strong's Concordance, they will r- relate it back to a Hebrew word, but I think Many commentators think, in my, in my, more side on side, that it's a Greek word, it's a Greek uh, name. Uh, indeed, uh, Timaeus was a, a, a principal character in one of Plato's you know, Plato was a Greek philosopher, lived 350 years before Christ. But the, the name had been around a long time. So it was an interesting combination of, of, of names between uh, uh, an Aramaic name and a, and a Greek name and it's not unusual, I mean, for people to be given names like this, uh, a name that uh, say, oh, son of, because in those days there weren't last names. You know, it, you know some people said, you know, Jesus' last name was Christ. Well, it, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, his, uh, Christ simply means anointed. But uh, we, we see this throughout. There are often, people are often related to whom they're uh, descended from. Ancestrally, where they're from, or what they do. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, Peter was, he was called Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. Again, using the Aramaic uh, son of Bar uh, as an example of uh, using ancestry to identify a person. Jesus of Nazareth, where he was from. Jesus was not an uncommon name, uh, so they differentiated him by where he was from. And We see others that in the book of Acts, they differentiate uh, Simon the Tanner and you know, he was different uh, made unique by what he did, his vocation. So here in verse 7 it says, And when he heard, that is, uh, Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The, in Luke's version of this uh, same uh, miracle story, he has Bartimaeus inquiring of the crowd, uh, you know, what's going on? What's causing this commotion? And he was told that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So it, it, it shows us that there's a growing awareness amongst the crowd of who Jesus is. And indeed, many of the people in the crowd were his followers as well as, his, you know, the apostles. He, sa- he says, and then they tell him it's Jesus of Nazareth, and he, but he responds, he says, Jesus, son of David. He doesn't cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, but he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, He cries out, he shouts it, you know, and it's not uh, what the the crowd would have wanted at the time. But uh, this is a clear reference to uh, the Messiahship of Jesus the those who had been hearing the jewish people they knew that the messiah was indeed to be the son the son of david so uh, and that goes back you know to the old testament when nathan uh, told the uh, told you know for his vision to king david he, he said that uh, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever and so the people realized what bartimaeus was saying he was equating jesus of nazareth to the Messiah. This term, uh, son of David, is not used much in Luke or in Mark, used more frequently in Matthew. But uh, here, uh, in in both instances, in Luke's uh, rendition of this miracle and in Mark's, we have the the blind man saying, uh, son of David, calling him son of David. It, as I say, it's used more often in, uh, in Matthew. What, one example I thought was sort of interesting uh, was another, also related to a request for a healing was uh, when the Canaanite woman uh, called upon Jesus. And of course she was rebuked as well because she wasn't Jewish was the main reason. But uh, when she pleaded with Jesus to heal her daughter at, at, in Matthew 15, she, he, she says, "'Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David.'" So she called him the Messiah as well. Now Bartimaeus is rebuked by the crowd, as you can see. Jesus, his disciples, and the crowd that were following, they were on on a pilgrimage. They were going to the holy city. As it turns out, for Jesus, it would be the last time, of course. And the the people, you know, they tried to throw a wet blanket on this uh, beggar's uh, calling. Uh, In 48 it says, And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. You know, they didn't want the solemn uh, occasion of the uh, master's uh, pilgrimage to Jerusalem to be disturbed. But uh, this didn't deter uh, Bartimaeus. He's a, he may have been blind, but he was a pretty uh, violently active man. So He wasn't going to let the crowd tell him what to do. And then in forty nine verse forty nine it says and Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Now note the immediate change in the crowd. It's like the, you know turning on a dime from uh, trying to uh, you know uh, put down his uh, exuberance to all of a sudden hey cheer up he wants you now <laughs> and uh, sort of speaks to the fickleness, of course, of, of the crowd, but uh, it, it, he, what was the response? They say, get up, and what did he do? Verse 30, it says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. It, uh, it, was, in a, it was very rapid, he threw it off, said, he sprang up, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Now you have to remember that he was blind, so that uh, he probably had to be led in some, in some sense. Which you can almost see them, you know, as he's hurrying on, and they're, you know, guiding him along. If it, the uh, The word picture here is so vivid, uh, you know, it's led many commentators to say this is probably recorded by an eyewitness. And of course, you know, it, it 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 paused. So he he comes to Jesus. Jesus didn't go to him. He asked him to come to him, and then. And then when he got there, he, 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 Jesus said to him in verse fifty one "What do you want me to do for you?" Now some would say that's an odd question, but you've got to remember what what did, what was Bartimaeus and all of his friends wanting people to do for them? You have a money, right <laughs> they, were hang, they were hanging around the roadside begging, and this you know or right, he, he'd made the effort to find out. To go to Jesus, he was persistent in calling upon him. He got recognized. He said he made him come to him. He didn't go to him, even though he was blind. Something, and then he asked, uh, "What is it you want?" He could have said, "You know, I need some money." Well, that's not what he wanted. He said, "He said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight." By by doing so, you know, he acknowledges that Jesus had power to do such, right? He, you know, he knew what he needed, and he knew, he knew to whom he should go to look for it. It's interesting, when he got to Jesus face-to-face, he didn't say, Jesus, son of David, he said, Rabbi. Change of tone here. In, uh, in some of the other uh, uh, versions, of, uh, they, they use the, the Aramaic term, Rabboni, rather, Rabboni let me recover my sight. And it's, that's really sort of a more of a reverent uh, uh, rendition of rabbi. Of course, re- rabbi can be translated pass, uh, teacher, master. Uh, if, you, if you recall that the, in the New Testament, about the only time we ever hear that word he used again was uh, Mary, when Mary Magdalene when she was uh, in the garden tomb after the uh, resurrection. She was looking for Jesus, didn't recognize him, then she recognized him by the tone of his voice. When you know he very tenderly said, "Mary," she knew, and she turned and said, "Rupona." Very, 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 uh, you know, I think, touching. So what happened then? He says, "Let me recover my sight," and Jesus said, "Go your way; your faith has made you well." Immediately, okay. This suggests that it was both a physical and a spiritual healing. Your faith has made you well. So what do we, what do we have here? We have sight and salvation. How's that for a combination? Do I it together? Sight and salvation occurring at the same time. So he was given his sight, and then we read that the rest of uh, 52, and immediately he recovered his sight, and what did he do? He followed him on the way. This is interesting if we compare the uh, the prepositions here uh, from the first verse where we read uh, about uh, Bartimaeus. It says, you know, he, uh, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, was sitting by the road, by the road in 46. Now in 52, he is on the road, on the way, from by to on, things have changed. Now this is what, what is known as uh, and biblical scholars, they take great store in this because they say this is the, the revealing of the messianic secret. Jesus is the Christ. And uh, he allows it to be known openly. If you, if you recall, this is the transition then from his Galilean ministry to his ministry in Jerusalem. And Though the ministry in Jerusalem at this time is very short, you'll find that a large, large portion of the New Testament of the Gospels are centered on the, the, the ministry in, in in Jerusalem during Holy Week, right, from the time uh, his entry until the time of the crucifixion and resurrection. I, I think this has uh, more import for us if we consider that up until this time Jesus did not want to be known as the Messiah. Uh, taking just using just Mark's gospel, back in the very first verse, first chapter. I'm sorry. He said uh, when he was uh, rebuking demons, he says. Then when the demon said, we know who you are, you are the Son of God. And when, before he drove them out, he said, be silent, be quiet. Be silent and come out of them. Again, dealing with uncleans, uh, these unclean spirits in, uh, in, in, in just two chapters more, in, in Mark uh, 3, he's, they, they start crying out again. They cried out, You are the Son of God. And so Jesus strictly then, after driving them out, he said, strictly told them not to make this known, not to make him known. And then in, in the verse, in the just two chapters before what we read here, we have uh, Peter's great confession. You know, when he's amongst the disciples, and he said, who am I? you know and Peter says he says, You are the Christ. You are the Christ, and Jesus again. Even though it was just amongst their, you know, the, local, the group, the twelve. He said, he told them, "Don't tell anyone about him. Not now. Not yet." But now, this has all changed, and Bartimaeus changed it, if you want, if you will. He's the one that, uh, you know, directly called him out, and he was not rebuked for it. He was not rebuked for calling him the Son of David. The chorus immediately precedes, you know, all the acclamation that, that Jesus would receive uh, during uh, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, you know, the Palm Sunday, the Passion Sunday uh, narrative that we, we know so well. At that time, then, the crowd, again the crowd, the Jewish people, when he entered, you know, the, the, all, the lid was off, no holds were barred, you know, they were, they were shouting, Hosanna, save us, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. So, publicly acknowledgement. Hosanna in the highest. Again, that's in Mark 11, just the very next chapter. They, of course, were looking for, you know, a political messiah. You know, someone who was going to run the Romans into the sea. But, but, And they were mistaken in that. It would be a while before they realized about the suffering servant and the atoning uh, Messiah, was to be God's uh, message to the world. So here we have, you know, like I say, a great uh, great theological import here about this revealing of the messianic secret uh, that uh, so much has been written about. But uh, I think we need to look at, uh, you know, what does all this uh, mean for us? Uh, uh, We, of course, uh, if we want to... uh, we would like very much to put ourselves on the side of Bartimaeus, recognizing who, he, who Jesus is, recognizing our need, and going to him. But, you know, in all honesty, we were probably more like the apostles. <laughs> uh, slow, uh, not, not nearly as eager. Uh, you know, in the chapter directly before this, we have, uh, have uh, the apostles quarreling with each other and say, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Obviously not understanding the role of the suffering servant, and not getting through, you know, totally. So what do we need to do? How how does this speak to us? Uh, I think that uh, one thing that uh, we need to know is that when Jesus calls, we too should be ready to leap, ready to leap in response. Like you say, Bartimaeus wasn't slow, he didn't, you know, fold his cloak and hand it to the fellow and say, here, hold on to this till I get back. (laughs) He flung it off and, and, and went. You know, one of the things that I fear that we lack, and uh, you know, I speak for myself, a lot for myself, is is the lack of a you know the spontaneity that should really be required of a, of a follower of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, uh, chapter five, verse seventeen. We read, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, "My Father is always at work, to this very day, this day, and I am working too." This was, uh, you know, this was sort of a, a theme of uh, some of you may remember the uh, experience in God series that we looked at. That was given by the you know the Baptist minister uh, Henry Blackaby. Uh, he made the point: God has not changed <laughs> when he says, "My Father is always working." He's still working he still speaks to his people in our day through the holy spirit through prayer through the bible and what our job is to dispel the self-centeredness in our own lives you know that we can recognize the presence of god when we when we hear it and when, when we see it it's very important uh, another message that you know that comes to us from this from this healing miracle is that We we shouldn't measure our lives by the world's standards, not by the standards of the crowd, the fickle crowd, not not to use that as our standard, but to use God as our standard. God is always at work around us, as Mr. Blackaby says, and calls us still to follow him, and and oftentimes he does not give the details, to follow him without telling us exactly what he's going to do. But this is important, and this, I think, is maybe the take-home message for the believer uh, from Bartimaeus. The moment that God speaks, and this is Dr. Blackaby, says, the moment that God speaks, that is the moment he wants you to respond. Where the Master is, is where we need to be. We cannot stay where we are and say that we're going with God. We cannot stay where we are and say that we're going with I'd just like to conclude uh, by uh, reading uh, from a hymn, actually, a poem. It was set, it was set to music, uh, but it was, a, it was a hymn that was written by a man by the name of Oswald Smith. He's a very famous clergyman of last century. He uh, uh, was a Canadian uh, missionary, uh, very ardent in mission field. he had worked at the native population in the Canadian Northwest Territories. He started a very large church, the People's Church in Toronto, you know, academic credentials, graduate of the McCormick Theological Center in Chicago, but uh, very well-known and, uh, and a hymn writer. And, and this, is, this, is the, this is the first verse in the chorus of that hymn by, by Oswald Smith, which I think is a, a nice closing to this little discussion of Bartimaeus. One sat alone beside the highway begging. His eyes were blind, the light he could not see. He clutched his rags and shivered in the, dark, in the shadows. Then Jesus came and bade the darkness flee. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills the life with glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Amen.